0: What's up? This is Brandon London and you're listening to the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. You hear that? The Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. Let's go Giants.
1: Welcome back, Giants fans, to the latest edition of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. At this time, we will be 67% British, 33% Irish, but absolutely still 100% Giants. Uh, It's the longest day of the year, so happy summer solstice day to you all. Uh, And What better way to spend the evening than to talk in Giants football, right? There we go. Uh, Shane's busy working, uh, so is Dan, and at the moment, producer Craig, back to bring you the latest news coming out of Minicamp. Uh, and plus, we continue our positional breakdowns this week as well, where we'll be taking a closer look at the uh, latecomer, Mr. Kev. Uh, he is running slightly late at his uh, favourite position, and that is tight ends. So it is tight end time this evening. Um, he will be joining us very, very shortly, like I said. Craig, how you doing, mate?
2: Yeah, yeah, all good. Yeah. Um... Mini caps over, we're getting into the lull. Um, but hopefully, we'll uh, we'll help you through it, and uh, we'll all be counting down the weeks now until the end of July, and everyone's
1: back in the game again. So, you know what, it won't be long. I mean, it's what June 21st, and it's where's the off season going? It's going so quick. Um, you know, it was only sort of seems like a couple of weeks ago that we we're talking about the draft, and that was two months ago, so. You know, time flies, um, but we've got a lot to look forward to um, after the sort of summer break as we go into training camp. So, you know, stay tuned with us here. We'll bring you all the latest as usual and uh, bring you sort of the build up to the the regular season starting at obviously the beginning of September. Uh, also coming up later today, um, like I said, we're going to talk tight ends. So We've got a bit of news coming up as well. Um, but those that follow us on our socials might have had a little sneak peek or something. Um, but stay tuned for a little bit more information about that later on got some more exciting news to drop Ooh. it's a little spider alert for you there um but like i said where else would we rather be on this summer solstice day than talking all things giants and where else do we usually start but the latest news uh, and the last of uh to Mandur- mandatory mandatory how just man I can never say that word properly mandatory minicamp uh, is now in the books following the team's uh, day free cookout that they had which was uh, was quite cool uh, most players won't be t- returning to the uh, quest diagnostics training center as it's officially known uh, until late july now um, apart from some rookies will be back earlier than that because rookies are rookies you know um, but Sort of couple of parting comments that Dave's left uh, at the end of that day three cookout, um, telling the team to come back uh, ready to go, to be in shape, and make sure over this sort of month that they're away from the facility that they're they're safe, um, because we don't want a repeat of JPP or anything like that over the next few weeks. So, you know, stay safe, look after yourself, look after your bodies, and uh, and come report back in four or five weeks' time, healthy and ready to go. Evening, Kev, how you doing, mate?
0: 1212 can you hear me
1: loud and clear my friend loud and clear how you doing mate
0: good 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 just break it up a little bit don't know if it's my connection or not but uh, yeah good sorry about the rush lads obviously on uh, the 12 hour shift today but uh, oh we are live okay fantastic hello everyone brilliant. <laughs> absolutely, <are>. <laughs> and, absolutely uh, looking forward to tonight uh yeah very good how are we how are we gents recover from download yeah,
1: I think it's <laughs> about still, still got the tail end of a chest infection, but I'm all right. My voice has recovered to the point where I can actually talk properly and normally, so yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Bashing your mic around there, Kev. Um, anyway, as, as, um, as I said, where it's uh, it's your favorite position this week. We're talking tight ends, so we'll, uh, we'll come on to that shortly. Um, but we're just starting to go through the news a little bit, all right? So We'll let you sort of catch up and chill out and get yourself a beer or something as well. Um, but like I said, yeah, Dave's obviously... Oh, he's got it already. There you go. <laughs> he's got it already. Um, but like I said, Dave sort of gave that message to to come back ready uh, and be in shape and make sure they're being safe over the next few weeks, um, which we really, really need every single player to come back he- healthy uh, and, and ready to go. We don't want any sort of... JPPs or uh, McKinney situations happening where players are injuring themselves out doing silly things that they shouldn't really be doing. So, you know, that's that's absolutely key over the next few weeks. Like I said, rookies sort of have less time than the veterans, but they they could both could be back uh, ready to go, both sort of physically uh, and mentally as well. And he went on to say that he sort of would try to have a little bit of downtime himself, um, but he will start also – spending some time reviewing sort of schedules uh, and getting a head start on some of the opposition as well of the uh, upcoming season. But how important do you think it is for players to have this sort of month where they don't have anything, you know, they've got that downtime, um, but at the same time, as coach said, be mindful to be safe and to not end up getting injured as well. Um, How important do you think it is, Kev?
0: Yeah, I think it's huge, you know, like um, we all know the the NFL season is quite a short one in relative terms, considering you know the sports we sort of grew up watching over this way. Um, but it's such a grind when you're in that environment and in that uh, se- um, that season, like the the, the amount of pressure put on their bodies, what the bodies are going through, you know, the workouts during the week and the games are like these are physical games. You know, this isn't you know these players aren't aer- aerobic fit. These players are like fit for pounding, you know, for taking taking um, taking hits and stuff like that and giving hits. So um, you know, when it comes to this time of year now, you know, you've your season's been over, you've reset a little bit, you've started to install the new season's plans. Now the players' have the opportunity to go away, and they won't go away and just switch off. You know, they'll go away and keep doing the workouts, they need to stay in shape, they'll learn the playbook again, you know, p- p- players who have just come to the team. Um, but they do need to switch off a little bit. Um, I think they need a little bit of downtime uh, just to get away from it. And um, you know, I, I think it's massively important, but you know, you need to be sensible about it. I know. You did quickly mention about, you know, the, the some of the incidents that we've witnessed in the past, you know, and, uh, you know, it's just about be, being smart, okay, go and have your fun, but have a, you know, do a bit of kayaking, you know, or do a bit of, so, you know, you want to do some adventure stuff, but don't put yourself in any type of danger. I know it's easier said than done, but like, don't be going car racing, don't be going on motorbikes, don't be going, you know, too silly, but definitely get out there and enjoy yourself and recuperate, because when we come back at the end of July, you know, and, you know, all the players are back. You know, we will be ramping up for this season because this is a massive season for us. And also, don't go handling fireworks on the 4th of July. You know, it goes
1: without saying, really. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> but but
2: Kev's, Kev's exactly right. You know, it is <laughs> a grind. and And there's a lot that's been hammered into the players over the last few weeks. The rookies have obviously taken the brunt of it because they've really got to get up to speed and, and get up to speed quickly because they're the ones who are going to have to fight for that roster spot especially with the sort of veterans that we've signed both in the off season and obviously retained from last year but I don't you know the, the hard work doesn't stop I'm sure we'll see plenty of Twitter videos Instagram videos of players getting the work in it wouldn't surprise me if a few of them get together again as well and and try and keep that kind of chemistry building between them but once, as Kev said, they, they build that they build their bodies for for roughing each other up essentially. <laughs> and they also kind of need to, it's almost like you know, like a builder, you get the calluses on your hands because you build that up over time. And they need, but they need to make sure they don't lose that. They need to make keep that momentum through. So it's it's a very fine balancing act, but this is why they get paid so much money.
1: Yeah, you're not wrong, to be fair. Um you know, what's wrong with going to spend two weeks on a beach <laughs> laying there, doing nothing? I mean, that's relaxing for me. I don't know about anyone else, but that's that's relaxing. Why why do you need to go take the playbook? You, yeah, there you go. Why do you <laughs> need to up and do all these extreme sports and go, you know, blowing your hands off and things like that when you could just be sat on a on a beach with your family, relaxing for a couple of weeks and really sort of enjoying yourself? I'd be happy with that you know there's there's plenty of nice beaches around you know especially uh, you know in the states and the caribbean it's not far It's not a, not a long flight away go and chill go and relax do that don't do silly things
0: and be sensible as well with like stuff like you know don't get yourself in in um trying situations or situations where you know you might be taking advantage of or you know we don't have Plexo over Bur- burris again or, or anything like that you know and don't get yourself into trouble in nightclubs go for a few drinks but keep your you know, close friends close and, you know, don't be getting yourself in any trouble because, like, you know, you we have a reputation as Giants, uh, as a Giants organization. Like, we want that upheld. And I think we've brought in players who sort of are of that mould anyway.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I I can't see anybody going and doing anything uh, too silly this off offseason because, uh, no doubt, Dave's would tear him a new one. He probably tore McKinney a new one when he injured himself during the season. So, you know, you wouldn't want to be on the end of a, uh, the hairdryer treatment from Dave, would you? Let's face it. That wouldn't be particularly nice. Um, We briefly touched on this last week, but one thing that's sort of been apparent from day one of the new regime is that not only does Dave like his players to express themselves as individuals, but he wants their input too as well uh, on things like schemes um, routes as well. He said, you know, players are the ones that win the games. So he takes input from, you know, not just coaches, but players as well. Um, Whether it's a route he ran sort of, Years ago, when it wasn't last year, so it was you know two, three years ago, you know down the line, um, that he felt comfortable, that a player sort of felt comfortable running, um, and what looking at what we don't have and um, things that potentially look like worth taking a look at as well. So you know he's he's taken you know some input from from the players as well, which is quite nice. And obviously, um, uh, Darren Waller commented on it as well and said, uh, "Was it last month?" He said that you know sort of that, The the coaches value the team the the players' opinions. Players are you know they're told to do certain things in a certain way, um, and you do those things as a player. Um, But he said he was quite sort of complimentary of the the Giants and said that they ask a lot of questions. They want to know what you're thinking as a player and sort of what your strengths are and what you like to do. Um, So that's quite cool to hear. I think you know I don't know how many other coaches around the league do that, but. You know how much influence do you think Dave's will take from players like rookies, uh, if any at all? And how much is he sort of more leaning on the more experienced veterans to to get their opinions as well? Craig?
2: Um I think I think he'll probably take a lot from the veterans, and Kev will probably be able to touch on this a bit more, so I'll I'll kind of leave this this to him, just leading you in here, Kev. But um I think what he'll probably take from rookies is the fact that the college system is so much bigger than the NFL. So there are so many different schemes and so many different ways that coaches will play and play to the strengths of their team. You'll find that if you took a you know a team from uh, the Big Twelve or you took you know a, a team from a relatively unknown kind of one of the lower down schools, they're going to have different route trees that they would have run. And I'm sure Dave's is kind of, especially with someone like Jalen Hyatt, I think that's probably the the rookie you could kind of hone in on on this, where Hyatt was told to run a basic route tree. But those kind of routes might not be something that we have in our playbook at the moment. And he might be interested in speaking to him about, hey, what do you guys think about running this as opposed to running this? Or during this play what if i did x instead of y sort of thing so but like i said kev might be able to sort of touch on that a bit more in the terms of the scheming
0: of, of college yeah so uh, uh, he ran a lot of like nine rides and stuff like that which is like you know obviously deep rides I, th- I think when it comes down to like taking preferences like just to give an example i mean like when i was uh, played very briefly like for the stallions um uh, one of my best mates, CJ, right, was like the king of the deep out. That was his right. So every time that, that play came up in the playbook, you know, he would, um, you know, like 10 yards down down the field, from the slot position, hard right, cut, and then to the sideline, and then catch the ball. And so it's Heyman, right? So it would be on five and six. It would be like, you know, you know, release, one, two, three, four, and the ball would be thrown um, before CJ had even come out of his break because that's the chemistry you build. Like, that's the way he wanted it, and the way I liked it as well. So some quarterbacks and wide receivers, he likes to see the wide receiver looking at, at, at the quarterback to know that the ball's coming. Um, but in those type of routes, it's like, well, no, throw it, because I will turn my head last second, and I will catch that ball. But also, like, um, some of the stuff as well, like, say, for example, like, all the route tree is numbered. So you have, like, you know, you're one, you're your quick in, you two, you're quick out, your three, you're slant, you're four, you're deep out, you know. Um, at five your dig you know um and obviously it goes on like seven would be your um so sort of, uh like eight would be your po- uh, post and uh seven would be the corner and stuff like that but 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 sometimes what 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 you do in the, the 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 playbook would be you pick the number not necessarily the right so i know what number to run to it doesn't matter how i get there so it gives you the option, like say, for example, like that deep right I was talking about, you know, I know that it's going to be on the sideline, 10 yards out on the sideline is going to be the catch. Now, I might not necessarily run 10 yards and go out. I might, you know, stutter and go diagonally straight out. So there's lots of little nuances in the game. Like, you know, they might prefer, um, so say, for example, for his his go right, his number, the nine right, he might want to do a little stutter, like, like a slug and go, like, you know, a stop and go. And do it like that. That changes the timing a little bit. So, like, if you have a certain play where, like, um, on this route I run the, I, on this play I run this route, but I like to do it just a little bit this way, and that could change the timing just ever so slightly. But he finds it more effective getting open for that specific style of running the route. So there's um, lots of little nuances like that. And um, like I said, I think he can. I think he can adapt. I think they all can adapt. And and like, it wouldn't be necessarily a case of. Rookie saying i like this play as such but they might go i like to run this route this way um he will take obviously stuff from the older guys so like play like you know especially daniel jones if there's a guy like he might go to paris campbell Right, paris campbell you know what's your favorite right do you've ever run in college you've ever run in high school you've ever run in the, in the pros and it might be very similar to one or three in the playbook because the playbook is massive i mean there's lots of variations and they're very subtle variations and he just might want to run it this particular way on this particular time in and they'll practice that. And then they will go, do you know what? I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll change that up when you're in. We'll run that play sort of like that. And I don't get into t- t- too much detail. And that's why I'm not going to, you know, naming plays and stuff like and stuff like that. But it's just, you know, those little things you'll talk about. And, um, and I, I think that's brilliant because some coaches are like, right, this is why I want you to run it. So go out there and practice and run it until you run it the way I want it run. Now, and this is a new NFL players have a lot more say, and a lot more autonomy. So I just want you to get open. Just be where you're supposed to be at the time you're supposed to be there, and use this now to build up that chemistry. That's why going to um, Arizona together as a team with Saquon I might add was absolutely like critical. It's absolutely critical because they will go through all these type of plays and build up. And Daniel Jones will be saying to Dave's uh, Kafka, "Look, ex-receiver, he loves this. He's so good at this. Like he 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 runs this right better than anyone." Or like, do you know that play we've got? we shouldn't run that with this type of receiver. He's not that he's a bad receiver. It just doesn't really work with him. And they will look look at all these type of things. And that's why I think, you know, um, Dave's and Kafka got a lot out of what the receivers they had last year. And that's why I think, you know, going forward now, they have so many weapons, not necessarily number one weapons, although they do have a tight end that we'll talk about soon. But um, I do believe, you know, there's so much variety there. So we it will be. I'm really looking forward to seeing it, to be honest.
1: I mean... If there was a comprehensive answer to a question, I think you just nailed it there, Kevin. <laughs> um, but just on just on that as well, like, do you think that's why players like Isaiah Hodgins have come in as a as a you know what wasn't getting on the team in in Buffalo, but he's come in and he's getting he's having he's finding success in in the Giant system because you know the coaches feed off him and get his opinion what he's what he enjoys more and what. He doesn't necessarily enjoy so much. Do you think that's part of the reason why Hodgins had, some, had that success at the end of last season?
0: I definitely think so. I think, like, obviously he was doing the and order a little bit at the Bills. So they had Diggs and they had um, Davis, who they ran a certain, you know, they ran the plays they, they loved for them. Whereas he came to us he kind of was thrown into being like one number one receiver, number one, two receiver. So um I do believe that he had a little bit, he had comfort obviously with being with them previously. So they kind of knew what he was good at in practice, especially they were being the offensive coordinator and seeing them every day. Um So I think he would, uh, and you saw him develop, you saw him blossom. Like and you know, it was a no-brainer to pick up his uh, option of nine hundred thousand, whatever it was, for the season. You know, and I think he could actually earn himself a tidy contract this year has been He's been—he's not the most electric, don't get me wrong—but uh, he just always seemed to find those little spots where he would just seem to be open, and it became a trusted target for Daniel Jones.
1: Yeah, yeah, man. I think you know, I, I like that the coaches will will draw on on the players' experience and their opinions and. What works for them, what doesn't work for them, because you know they're like I said, they're the ones that run the routes, they're the ones that are out there on the field, play and play out. So it it makes a difference to the 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 the, play, the style of play, that makes a difference to the how you know what the plays called in, um, obviously whoever's on the field, you know they 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 now have their strengths, they have their weaknesses, and it, I think it makes for a sort of more well-rounded team and a more cohesive unit if they're sort of feeding off each other rather than a dictator standing there barking orders on the sideline. You know, that's previously how it, how it worked. Obviously, the, what coach says goes, whereas now it's kind of like, actually, you know what, let's draw off the, your experience and your strengths and, and what your opinion is and actually sort of put that into place and create the playbook that way. So, you know, I think it's it's definitely a, definitely a productive way forward.
2: Let's, um, let's not forget as well that last year we had first time general manager, a first time head coach, a first time offensive coordinator who would all, you know, <laughs> how we did what we did last season is crazy when you put it like that. But the way that they've done things is obviously very different and it brings a, a brand new culture and a, and a new kind of way of looking at things. And they've obviously gone, do you know what? That worked so well last season. Let's continue to do that. Whereas if we were to get someone, you know, I'm not knocking anyone like this, but someone like a Mike Tomlin or like a Sean Payton or something, they're going to have a very regimented idea because they've had success in this league. But the league evolves. And as Kev said, the players have a lot more, you know, they have have a lot more to say and they have a lot more um, kind of control over a lot of the things, image rights, um, what what they what, you know how they want to perceive themselves? Just look at Thibodeau. Thibodeau had a, his own kind of idea of everything before he'd even come to the Giants last season. So it's nice to see that, and, and this is something we touched on before, where you know Mara has kind of been dragged into the 21st century. But it's nice for him to kind of just go hands off and allow us to play a 21st century modern offense rather than what we have done in the past.
1: Absolutely man, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, the Giants are finally in the twenty first century and, and moving forward with a the exciting young um front office coaching group and you know, bunch of players that you know we're all really excited about. So yeah, twenty twenty three is gonna be a hopefully touch wood, a positive year. Anyway, moving on. Um now as we all know by now, Kev is a lover of all things tight end. Uh, from Legends of the Game in Mark Bavaro and Jeremy Shockey, more recent stars in Kevin Boss, Jake Ballard, Bear Pasco, and some of the ones we'd rather forget. You know, Evan Engram, Travis Beckham, players like that. Didn't really work out for him. Yeah, we've had our fair share of sort of studs and also some duds as well. Um, so we're better to kick off than throwing it over to Kev to start our breakdown of our tight ends we have on the roster currently. So, Kev, over to you, mate. Number one on the depth chart. Who have we got? We all know who we've got.
0: I mean, we've got Darren Waller, and Darren Waller, I mean, we all talked about this acquisition. I mean, I'm not going to make, I will mention his name now, but obviously, you know, Kateri Kateri's Tony's been out on the the spotlight today, showing off his ring and giving the New York, the middle finger today in some social media posts, you know, so childish and petty. So just to think that we flipped him for a third round and a third and sixth round pick and use that third round to get someone of Darren Waller's caliber, like, you know, be 30 when the season starts. And yes, he did sign like a big contract, but you know, the, the way, um, The giants have been just doing business is just unbelievable i mean like he dropped his cap hit this year down to five million and he's on the books for 14 15 and 17 going forward um but we can get out of it after after two years so if it works out you know this year next year you know it hasn't quite worked out or he he seems to have lost a step or anything you know we can get out of that with a 10 million uh cap saving like in the uh, the, after two seasons um he's just one of those players you know he has been hampered by in- hampered by injury the last two seasons and he hasn't played as many games as one to but every time he's been on the field and playing fit he's been a top five tight end in this league. He's been an absolute weapon. Um he's uh what was it, Daniel Jones says he's he's all of 6 foot 6. He's got a huge catch catch radius and he's absolutely lightning fast like you know he just brings uh, an element to the game that that we haven't had, you know. I mean just to pull up you know when he was fully healthy a couple of years ago in um in last uh for the Raiders he played in what 16 games he had nine touchdowns for nearly 1200 yards now that is phenomenal wouldn't we love it a thousand yard receiver on this giant's team i mean um it just um it was just a great bit of business um i mean it's just um and you know, if he stays healthy, I mean, the sky is the limit. He will be – everyone says, oh, we haven't got number one wide receiver, but we have a number one weapon. We really, really do. And, like, to, to have a lot of high-end number two wide receivers and have a, a top number one weapon in Darren Waller, and, and then you talk about Saquon. I mean, this this offense is absolutely loaded, and you've got, like uh, Craig said, a second-year offensive coordinator, a second-year head coach who's offensively minded. Um I just think, you know, the sky is a limit for, for him and for the off uh him and the whole offense as a whole. If if the uh O line can just stay, you know, solid, um, I think Darren Waller is an absolute game changer. He's a mismatch, mismatch nightmare. Um, I mean, safeties are too small to cover him, linebackers are too slow to cover him. Um, we've got to get him in positions um to to to, to make big, big plays. Um, I'm just so excited. I mean, um, was it? Um uh, it was in 2019 and 2020 he was named the pro bowl. Like the, there's not many giants in the last sort of 10 years have been named to pro that many pro bowls. So like, um, I'm just, I was so excited when it happened. Actually, I'll tell a lie. When it first happened, I was in shock. I was like, do I like this or do I not like it? He is 30. He's on a fair bit of money. He's been injury prone. But when you look at it holistically and look at everything, I was like, no, hold on a minute. He is a top, top player. Um, and I just, yeah, and he's got his head screwed on. Like, everyone that talks to him says that, you know, he's one of those people, he, he proper puts his teammates first. He, he really, like, engages with the team and wants to know, like, how everyone's getting on. He really seems like a team-first type of guy, like a, a player who um, the, Joe Sheehan and Brian Dable are trying to, like, build this culture with these type of players. Not only is he that type of player a cultural fit, but he's also like I said just such such a talented player um and yeah I mean like Giants fans should be over the moon and just pray that he does like you know can stay as healthy as possible for this season yeah I think that
1: you know his his health is absolutely key and absolutely paramount um because you know look at his production like said, sort of 2019 2020 it was almost sort of on par with the likes of Travis Kelsey and you know, he's universally widely seen as as the best tight end in the league. Um and recently, sort of more recent years, he has been sort of number one by quite some distance. You know, adding Mark Andrews, um, he's been pretty pretty consistent for the Ravens as well. But he could really sort of take over in the NFC as like the premier tight end in that, you know, in that conference because he has the ability to do that. But with him having such high hopes off the back of what was an injury-hit season last year, should we sort of lower our expectations slightly so we don't end up with a uh, a similar situation to the one we did with a certain Mister Kenny Golliday?
0: Absolutely not. Stay excited. I mean, this is an absolute player. Like I said, he is. You have Travis Kelsey, and then you have a small group after of Kiddle. Um, uh, Andrews and and Darren Waller, like that, that. That is what I'm talking about here. Like you know, he could be an absolute difference maker. Like he could be a thousand uh, thousand yard receiver for us. I mean, Kenny Golday came off one good season, really good season, but then he had that really devastating injury that he just couldn't really come back from. From that we hoped. Now he after the injury, Kenny, Kenny Golday couldn't make plays. Right, Darren Waller. He had a little bit of injury history, but he made plays. He absolutely made plays. He was a complete different maker still when he was on the field. He just had to stay healthy. So, I understand the trepidation. I do get it. Like you know, you know, we've been burned in the past. Um, but I do believe that yeah, get hyped. I mean, he is a number one weapon for Daniel Jones, and. um yeah, I mean, I'm so so. I know I love my tight ends. Like you know, I tried to play that position at like five foot eight in the in the British leagues. You know, with very very mixed results. But um, I, yeah, I just I I just think like you know, and, and just another thing as well, just very quickly is like he can block. He right, well, by no means like a, a kittle type blocker or anything like that, but he can definitely get in there and hold, you know get his get his nose dirty and get his in people's faces and definitely push um push um defensive ends around as well. So uh, don't be surprised, you know, just when he's on the field, just don't think you know he's only there to pass. He will be out there doing his fair share of blocking too.
2: Yeah, I I don't think we we're at a risk here. I think if you. Had a sort of look at what the journalists were saying from camp after we picked up Golladay, and, and what Kev said is exactly right. They were all saying, "Is he slow? Like, is is he is he is he still nursing that injury? Is he still coming back from that injury?" All we've seen from from beat writers about Waller is, "Wow, this guy's explosive! Wow, he's making plays!" You know. He's still got that speed, he's clearly building up a rapport. And you can see it in the sort of Arizona videos as well, where a hamstring injury is very different from the type of hip injury that Golliday had. And yeah, muscle injuries are, are are more likely to reoccur and could happen again. And, and you know, his, his hamstrings may be weaker, but a hip is like such a core part of the mechanism of your whole leg. And you you know, trying to use it to jump off, you're not going to be able to get the power in there. He's probably lopsided slightly, and it probably contributed to what we ended up seeing from Golliday. Um, but again, as Kev said, there was there's not that consistency of play in Golladay's sort of tape that you've seen with Waller at his position. And Goladay was never that explosive
1: anyway. No, he just worked well in uh in Detroit system, right? Uh, I'm, but I, I am quite glad because uh, you're both thinking along the same sort of lines as I am in the fact that Darren Waller is going to be an absolute freaking stud for this team. Like I've got no question, no doubt about it, no no doubt in my mind that he is going to be an absolute stud. Um, and I was, it was, it was, a, I was, it's very similar to you, Kevin, at first when we when it was announced that we'd signed him. That it was almost kind of disbelief, slightly. It was kind of. Darren Waller has signed for the Giants, really? Like, wow, okay. And then it was kind of, oh, wow, we've got ourselves an absolute weapon here. Um, and all you hear about him, like you said, from the beat writers, everything that's come out of, you know, all the OTAs and mini camps, everything like that is Darren Waller is is, is a freak of an athlete. And he's, you know, he is all of, like you said, all of six foot six. Um, he is an absolute unit. So he's going to no doubt be, Pretty decent in the blocking game, as well as being, uh, you know, a, a total athlete and being able to run routes and catch passes and and do what he needs to. And you know, for us to have a like, have a thousand yard receiver this season will be, you know, unbelievable. And, and Darren Waller can absolutely do that. Um, I don't see any reason why, bar an injury, why he won't top a thousand yards this season um, because he is he's that good. And like I said, I believe he can be alongside, you know, George Kittle's had a couple of off years, but he can be sort of up there and, and being voted to a Pro Bowl in the NFC this year. And why not? Because he's that good. Yeah. Um, comment Commenting from Steve. Evening, Steve. How you doing? Craig's going to pop it up on screen any second.
2: I'm going to wait until after we've spoken about Bellinger to pop Steve's comment up because I think it makes sense to have it after Bellinger, just because it, it kind of it ties in. But we will answer it, Steve. Don't worry.
1: Cool. Put that on the back burner. We'll come back to it. Um, Dan Bellinger, then who better talk about it than the other person called Dan, right? Um, so obviously he was drafted last season to uh, replace the aforementioned and inconsistent Evan Ingram and. You know, quite early on, ended up being one of Dan Jones's go to targets. Uh, not only showcasing his talents in the passing game, uh, but also the blocking game as well, sort of and you know, that sort of short passing game, should I say. Um, however, that promising start did get a little bit derailed against Jacksonville in week seven as he found himself with a fractured eye socket and septum after uh, rookie linebacker Devin Lloyd's fist ended up going through his uh, his face mask as he tried to knock the ball loose. So thanks for that, Devin. Uh, despite fears that his injury could be season-ending, though, he was able to return just six weeks later to help the team gain its 1st postseason post-season berth in six years, as we all know. Uh, he finished last season with 290 receiving yards and three touchdowns. He did set the world alight, but he showed glimpses of his talents as a receiver um, with 170 of those 290 yards coming after the catch. You know, so it shows, it shows he can run with the ball. Um, expectations for this year, for his sophomore year, uh, shouldn't be too high, really. Um, with Waller coming in, as the obvious sort of tight end one it will most likely see Bellinger's snap count maybe sort of plateau decline a little bit um but if he can continue to evolve, evolve his game uh, learn from Waller learn from the coaches um no doubt he's going to continue to be a consistent weapon for Dan Jones and the offense moving forwards uh, in the next few years because he's a great he's a great talent um I, i've got a lot of lot of love for the guy i think he's 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 a he can be the potential is there for him to be, um, a a top tight end again. So, you know, I I can see his development alongside Darren Waller being, you know, something that it will only see him good in the future. Um, but how much do you reckon having Waller in that tight ends room will see, will help Bellinger develop?
2: Um, I mean, obviously, Wallace is a veteran uh, and has seen it all. So I think from a perspective of what, of how to look after your body um, going forward, I think he'll probably be able to help Bellinger in that sense, because as we've already touched on, tight end is a very kind of hybrid role where you you have to do a lot of blocking to go with the receiving that you do. And and on any given play, you could do one, other or both. Um, So that. You know He'll be able to pick up some nuanced stuff from Waller. They're obviously very different players, I think. I don't think you could say that Bellinger is as explosive as, as Waller, but I do think he's got safe hands, and that's one thing that he did prove. Um, but he does also already have that kind of intelligence on the football field, Bellinger. Um, I don't know if anyone saw our tweet yesterday, I believe it was, in response to the NFL UK tweet where they were asking about a touchdown, and I just really wanted to see that Bellinger touchdown again. And watching it again, and because it's just a gif that NFL UK put up, it just kept playing in the background. I keep glimpsing at it every so often. You can clearly see that the Giants were going for the Philly special there. You know, it's it's completely obvious. But the second that broke down, you could see the cogs move in Bellinger's head, and you could just see he knew exactly what he needed to do. And also put his body on the line a little bit to try and like lower the shoulder and get himself over. And that was a big turning point in that game because you know that was the first touchdown we had on the board that day. We were all at the opposite end of the, the stadium, unfortunately, but it was it was a, a big moment for the game. So he he does have a little bit there, but any time you can learn from a veteran, why would you not just take that with both hands?
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I loved Daniel Bongiovi. I think it was a really good signing, sort of a good uh, draft pick we picked in the fourth. And the fourth last year, I mean, I saw a progression. I was so upset for him about the, uh, the 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 freak the freak accident, you know, the freak injury where he had to miss some time. So I thought he was on a really nice trajectory. I thought he was doing so well, doing everything. only had one drop last year. I mean, like, he pretty much caught everything. It was such a good safety net. And um, that touchdown was phenomenal. I mean, and also, like, I, I was reading somewhere as well, like, um, well, I saw a picture of uh, some arms. I don't know if anyone else saw those pictures. Um but my boy's been working out, making sure, you know, he's in shape. Check out
1: the gun show.
0: <laughs> and the thing is, right, you know, and also I, I, I was reading afterwards that he's actually sort of stayed the same weight. He's just trimmed a lot of fat off and got himself, got himself you know, really lean and stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think he, I heard as well, like, he's just a little bit faster, not fast, fast, but you know, a little bit faster as well. Like, and he was a fantastic blocker last year. And like I said, safe hands. And he just seemed to always be there when Daniel Jones needed him. And, um, and you know, he, he went to that tight end uh, tight end university last year, and he's going again this year, the one hosted by Kelsey and Kittle. And both of them have talked him up. Both of them have said, like, they were asked in an interview, who's the next sort of, like, tight end coming up? You know, in, in your vein, the ones, you know, can block and can catch and... Real all-round ones, and both of them mentioned um, Daniel Bellinger. Ber- you know, I think he he really could be in a couple of years' time like a proper number one tight end. I mean, he was very close to being our number one this year, and um, and I just think you know if you could learn behind Waller, sit sit a little bit, he will be needed. Because you think about it, right? If you bring on like, two tight end sets, um, they're going they're going to load the box. So we're going to absolutely got two wide receivers, two tight ends. Going to load the box, but then if you take someone like Waller. Push out Paris Campbell to the boundary. Put Waller in the slot. Now you've got a massive mismatch with um You know Waller on a linebacker, but then don't 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 sort of like um, count out Daniel Bellinger in the passing game as well. When you've got linebacker eyes peer peeking at Darren Waller as well. You know don't you know you might see um, Bellinger slip out uh, free as well and pick up those nice yardage to get the first downs. And I'm going to say it now, right? And I'm, this is going to come back on me. I know it's going to come back on me. But is this the best tight end tandem in the league? Best one two punch? I'm just saying, I think it might be.
1: It's a very good question. Um off the top of my head, I can't think of a one two tight end tandem as good as those two. Or with as much potential as those two. But you think like you made an absolutely fantastic point there, Gabe. All eyes are going to be on Darren Waller. So when we're in those sort of two tight end sets. They're not going to necessarily be paying so much attention to Dan Village. He might be able to sneak out and and break coverage and and get away. You know, if he's on, you know, man coverage, one one on one coverage, make the play and um and you know, produce. And you know, it, Waller will have to be treated like a number one receiver. So all eyes will be on him, and you know, the coverage will be on him. So he'll be he'll be double teamed, no doubt. And it would then mean that Bellinger can then break out one on one, and make a play, and sort of evade that focus of the uh, opposing defense for sure.
2: You um, you've kind of both already given your answer to Steve's question, so I'll throw it up on the screen anyway. Now. Well, then. But um, would you guys be for or against the two tight end system, giving the options with both? We have both there and wide receiver. I mean, Kev's nodding his head, so I think that's a distinct yes. Obviously. From what kev was saying before as well it, it was a yes Daniels is a yes, I totally agree um that why would you not use Waller, who, as we've already said, is a de facto wide receiver one when he's on the on the field anyway, Bellinger, who we know has safe hands, if you're gonna have a you know a two tight end system uh maybe especially if you're gonna go for something like a deep shot where you've got Hodgins playing you've got Darius Slayton on the on the field you've got Waller well they're your three kind of you know just off you go and then after that you have Bellinger on the court underneath in case we need to check down I think I think why would we why would he not take advantage of that
1: and then you forget someone coming out the backfield by the name of Saquon Barkley and then you bring in someone in the slot called called Paris Campbell, and then like you could go on, you could go on. I mean, one thing one thing that we this keep, offense is stacked.
2: Yeah, but one thing that we always seem to not mention, Daniel Jones has legs. <laughs> like you know, we 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 were t- we spoke about DJ a couple of weeks ago, but he's got legs too. Like we could, the playbook could be crazy this year. I don't know if they're really going to go for it, but it could be.
0: And don't and don't be surprised as well. Like just say say for example, we come out in I don't know eleven personnel as in like running back, uh, tight end. The tight end being down Daniel Bellinger. You know he's you have him on the line, true wide tight end next to the next to the offensive tackle. You've got Hodgins on one side and maybe someone like Con Johnson on the other side. You know two big physical receivers and everyone's going to go. Oh, here we go, run. Here we go, run. Don't be surprised if that type of formation comes out and you see passes in that type of formation. Hmm. Oh, exciting times, lads, isn't it? Exciting times.
1: Come on the season. Can't wait for it to get started already. All right. Um, so, yeah, Steve, thanks for your question, mate. Um, but, yes, why would you not use more t end sets? Because you've got the opportunity to do it, so why not? You know, why not? <laughs> Alrighty, uh moving on to Craig. Who we got next on the depth chart?
2: So this is where we're gonna start looking at the, the players who are gonna be backing up the two sort of main names that you can almost like pin on that on that uh depth chart straight away. Uh, and we're gonna start with one of the players that was on the team last year in uh in Lawrence Cager, you know. Signed a reserve future deal with the Jets. Only last until October before he was waived. Um, Giants picked him up three days later. Obviously nice and easy when he's already in New York. Um, And following Bellinger's injury, uh, he got signed to the 53. Managed to snag his first career touchdown two weeks later against the Texans and continued to start until Bellinger's return. And then as we rested the starters in that kind of end of the season nothingness game against the Eagles, Uh, He finished with 69 yards on 10 targets. So, you know, again, didn't set the world alight, the same as as Bellinger, but there wasn't a lot of tight end play in in some of our uh, sort of route trees last year, but good enough. Safe hands again, one drop, obviously a smaller sample size than what we got from Bellinger. He's going to be in a one-on-one battle with the next player on the list, which which Kev will come into in, in a second for that third tight end spot on the roster. And I'm gonna I'm gonna use one of Kev's words here, but I think it just depends on the flavour that you want when it comes to the tight end, and whether you're going to want that pass catcher, which is what Lawrence Cager is, or the kind of predominant pass run blocker, which is who Kev will will come on to.
0: Yeah, so um, I mean, the other the next hire is that Tommy Sweeney. Um, you know, he was on the Bills again. Um, for last uh, drafted from the Bills a few years ago. So obviously Brian Dable's got you know, and Joe Sheehan's got knowledge. You know, Sheehan was part of the front office staff that drafted him. Um, he's been there three you know three four years. Um, you know, he didn't start a game. Um, he's one of those tight ends that's you know he's kind of like blocking first can catch a little bit no great explosion. Um, I mean, he's one of those uh, players that you know, it kind of feels like he's the the, I hate saying it, but the, the poor man's Daniel Bellinger, and then Cage was like the poor man's uh, Darren Waller, you know, for want of a better way of saying it. Um, and it's so, so it's, it's kind of like, I can kind of see either, like, we'll, we'll talk about where they fit in a minute, but like, it's hard to say who's better because they're so different. I know like, you know, because the way the tight end position is, you know, um, he hasn't got pay, uh, Cage's passing prowess, you know, at all because, you know, Cage was a wide receiver, converted you know um and 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 uh Tommy Sweeney's always been you know just that traditional big fella big sort of like tight end and he's always played that but you know i think um with the practice squad being the way it is and the restrictions lifted on age and stuff like that i think you know you could see sort of like uh both players sort of coming up and down up and down up and down and sort of like um i can't see them carrying four uh tight ends i don't think um so I uh, definitely three, but um I mean it is wide open and it's still early days. I mean, I haven't heard much about either player yet doing that much in camp. So be interesting to see what the summer brings.
1: Yeah, I think you know, Cage, uh, we saw like a sort of snapshot of him at the end of last season. Sweeney, I don't didn't really see anything of him in Buffalo, but you know, they're like you said, they're two completely different types of player. Um, but which one out of those two, do you think, will make it on the fifty-three, and why?
0: Kev, um, I think I think Cager will will get the nod uh, because he's been there and he's sort of like been around this um, the 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 roster you know the squad last season. But like I just sort of touched on there, I think like with the practice squad elevations and drops, I think. Either player you could have on your practice squad and not worry about them being, you know, stolen by another team. So you could sort of see Cager make it initially, but then Sweeney sort of come up and drop down and go back and stuff like that. Because I don't think either team will, will go. I mean, like, one thing I will say about Cager, like, you know, I really like this, is that he actually said in an interview that he's been following Darren Waller. He's actually, you know, been watching the way he practices, watching the way he does things, just like how professional he is. Like, And, and he know that like he, Darren Waller is the type of, Tight end, he wants to be, and he's been like you know, being like a student, just watching him writing things down, like trying to learn as much as he can from him. And I love hearing stuff like that because um, you know he, he can be, a, he caught some lovely passes, some crucial passes for us last season. So it will be interesting. Yeah, I do. I
2: did. I feel. I feel for for Sweeney. I do think Cager will take it. I think has right with the kind of. Um, familiarity of of what KJ brings to the table that Dable and, and Kafka already know. Uh, he'll know some of the playbook. I mean, obviously, he came in halfway through the season. Sweeney, unfortunately, had um, a heart issue arise because of COVID-19 um, that I think probably stifled his development in Buffalo, and he hasn't quite recovered from that as of yet in the terms of the, the developmental side of things, not from the illness itself. And I think that might just count against him. But there are so many players that come up through the ranks now in the draft and through undrafted free agency and through the supplemental draft, obviously, which is which is coming up as well. That there are a lot of these veterans out there that will end up on on practice squads and won't be poached unless there are massive injuries to to, to teams. So. I think it's less of a risk these days to pop someone on there. And then if they do get taken up, I'm sure there's already going to be somebody there who could potentially take the spot for the next person. Do
0: you think
1: Sweeney could be an option for special teams? If he's, you know, he's good at at blocking. Do you think he could be an option for special teams?
2: I think he did play some special team snaps last year for Buffalo. Um, if I remember correctly, when I was looking through some of his stats, he, you know, he he has done it, and and that's always a plus, isn't it? It's always a a kind of extra extra arrow in the quiver sort of thing to to have. So you you need special teamers, but I just don't I don't know. I th- I I don't think that you look t- to tight ends for special teams as much as you do some of the other positions like wide receiver. Yeah, fair
1: point. Yeah, I think it it would struggle to to get a roster spot on special teams, um, but could absolutely absolutely see him see him be useful on practice squad and like you said, sort of Kev, as well. Like depending on the team we're playing, you know, depending on the style of play they have, depending on like you know their playbook, what the coaches see, you know, they might feel like they might need to bring in a yeah you know, an extra an extra blocker on the line more, uh, and and Sweeney is is good at doing that, so. You know, play to his strengths, and you know if if he if it means promoting him to the active roster, uh, one week and dropping somebody down, um, to potentially bring in that additional sort of, um, that run block or that pass block or whatever, then, you know, that that flexibility, like you said, of the roster is there. So, you know, there are there are options for Sweeney definitely, but yeah, I think Cager will will make the fifty three based purely, mainly off familiarity and his his parts catching ability because, you know. Run blocking and pass blocking isn't sexy. Pass catching is sexy. And unfortunately, more often than not, they go for the sexy option.
0: Yeah, and just note on the special teams thing as well. I think, like, when you talk about special teams, you're talking about like uh, punt and K, uh, extra points and stuff like that, uh, field goals. So like you just throw an extra lineman down for blocking. Do you know what I mean you put the extra lineman down for blocking, that type of stuff? Like, you kind of want more fast safeties or big hitting uh big hitting safeties or fast linebackers sort of do more on special teams so you know that's kind of why maybe sweeney wouldn't uh get that
1: yeah and also don't forget obviously the uh the fair catch rule has changed everything now in special teams as well so you know it'd be even less of a sort of space for him on special teams than there would have been previously so yeah, I think that's a that's a big fat no for him. All right, so moving on to the last two in on the depth chart, um, rookie Ryan Jones. Um, so he drew interest from multiple teams during the build-up to the draft, including Big Blue, including Buffalo, uh, and divisional rivals, the Dallas Cowboys, as well. And while he didn't get it drafted, the Giants were quick to snap him up as one of their undrafted free agents. Uh, Caught 41 passes for 406 yards and four touchdowns for East Carolina. Uh, He only transitioned to tight end after transferring from Oklahoma where he was a linebacker. And he's shown flashes of versatility lining up out wide in the slot and also in the backfield. Now, if everyone stays healthy, it's unlikely that he'll make um, the 53, even uh, as a tight end or on special teams. So, in all honesty, uh, practice squad is probably his most likely route onto a team. But you know he looked fair you know the the um the reports coming out about him were were that the Giants liked him they liked what they saw from him in um yeah in the build up to the draft so and they've they've had the man ahead of you know two pretty big powerhouse at the moment in in buffalo and and uh, dallas so you know we must have done something right and he's you know he's he's got a point to prove I suppose he's got a chip probably got a chip on his shoulder the fact that he's undrafted and he was touted to be a to be picked on day three as well, so you know maybe potentially a, a, a chip on his shoulder a little bit to try and prove himself in camp. Craig, who's last on the on the depth chart, I say last on the depth chart. Who's uh, who's last on the list? Shall <laughs> I say <He's> not <laughs> the level last on the of depth disrespect chart. Dan is throwing around. <laughs> he's not he's not last on the depth chart just yet. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Last last in the tight ends room. Last but not least. mean he's a bit he's a bit of a
2: hybrid this one so tight end um slash fullback we've got him him listed as uh, is Chris uh um bit of a I I, when I was doing the research into this one I I like to call him a lesser used Swiss knife Swiss army knife in the kind of the way that Judy and Love was last year for us on the defense Majarek was for us on the offense you know um if you look at Sort of the positions that he lined up in last year. Yes, he he lined up at, at tight end. Yes, he lined up at fullback. Weirdly, in some sets he's marked as a as a left tackle, um, and uh, he also lined up at, at, at uh, receiver as well. So he really did it all for us. But you know, he he also Wait, he, in... he lined oh. up at
1: left tackle.
2: Yeah, I think uh, Andrew Thomas must have been sleeping or something, having a nap on the yeah.
1: sidelines. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> It might have been one of those, you know, those odd lineups mm. where where you have the the center and then you have a low lineman on one side and three on the other side. Sometimes seems yeah, to, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's
1: so all heavy on one side.
2: Yeah, but he also lined up in the kicking and punting game, so you know he's he's got a special teams acumen to him as well. So season started well. Had a touchdown against the Titans in week one, which was obviously well needed. Um, but his offensive snaps just. Plummeted after that, just especially after the week nine bye. He was then cut, signed to the practice squad at the end of Decem- uh, December. Sorry, and um, then signed uh, one of the f- sort of future deals and, and was re-signed. So, you know, he could sneak onto the roster due to his value at fullback and special teams, but it's more likely he'll he'll be cut down to the practice squad and just called up as and when, especially with us predicting that we'll probably have four backs on the. Um, on the roster this year as opposed to three last year
1: all right then so you got the, the sorry, i say' suppose the fringe guys in uh i can never say his name Myrick myrick myrick, myrick, myrick. cool in uh, in jones and myrick i think you know jones obviously is a is a, is a rookie so he's, he's an unknown quantity he's, a, he's ex- potentially exciting, but very sort of inexperienced. Whereas I've just completely forgotten how to say his name, Myrick. <laughs> you know, whereas he obviously has the experience and, and has the, um, you know, he's been on the roster. He's, he's he's suited up. He's played games. He's caught touchdown passes. Um, so out of the two fringe guys, it's more likely that Myrick is going to make, um, make the cut or even make the practice squad in um compared to um Ryan Jones. Ryan Jones? Yeah. Ryan Jones. <laughs> I was gonna say trans- I thought Chris Jones for a second then, but that's not Chris Myrick. Um but yeah I think it's more likely to say that Myrick's gonna make the uh the cut down than uh, than Ryan Jones does, do you? Craig? Um yeah I think
2: I think the versatility that Myrick has versus what Jones can offer. And Jones obviously being a rookie, I think he, uh, and an undrafted free agent rookie at that, I think that he, he definitely has the uphill battle uh and it's unlikely that he'll, it, you know, if it's between the two of them for the practice squad, then Myrick uh, is going to take it.
0: Yeah, I think, um, I think it will be interesting to see, I think, you know, we'll just agree it now. Like, you know, when we come to the, just throw it out there, you know, like um, when we come to training camp proper, I think what we should do in the podcast is talk about like any standouts or like how are the French players doing? Like basically say like, you know, apart from the starter starters, who who sort of caught your eye or who are people talking about? Because I think someone like, um, someone like Jones will have to sort of like, be one of those players for him to make even make the practice squad and I hate to say it like he just he kind of feels like one of those players that you kind of take a flyer on put him on the 90-man roster and you just kind of see what he's got and you know he might not actually make the practice squad or the team but um so so it will be interesting but you know Chris Mike he's sort of been there done it end of the roster guy can bring in the pinch can play like second tight end for you if need be can play fullback He's one of those players that's just really handy and have just there at arm's reach, just when you need him to pull him in and plug and play. So um, I think Ryan Jones a struggle, but um, I need to struggle with to like the practice squad because, like, how often do you have like three or four tight ends on a practice squad? You know, they all can't make it. So um, unfortunately, I think he will miss out. Um, but I want to hear. him, I want to like see him practice. I want to see pads on him. I want to see what he can do. And I think, like maybe if you guys agree, maybe we should do that. You know, when they start getting back training again. So, like, pick a player each who, who you've heard things about, and like you know, talk about them.
2: Yeah, I like
1: it. Yeah, I like that a lot. Good shout, mate. I like that. Um, yeah, it's it is very unlikely that he makes it. But like you said, it might be completely different when you put pads on and, and you go full on full contact in, in, in training camp because yeah, he might prove some data's wrong and, and earn himself a spot on the practice squad. Who knows? Who knows? All right. So there you have it. Our tight end room is complete. Mike Kafka and uh Titans coach Andy Bishop have a lot to work with. But let us know your thoughts on who makes the 53, who makes the practice squad and who unfortunately misses out on one or the other or both. Let us know, get in touch. Alrighty, uh, unfortunately, that is all we've got time for this week, Giants fans. Um, however, we will be back at the same time, in the same place, next week, Wednesday evening, 8.30pm, uh, to round out our breakdown of the offence. And as as we talk, uh, as we... L- dive into the trenches and talk the offensive line which uh, no doubt Shane will absolutely love so uh, stay tuned for that and uh, make sure you tune in same time next week. Uh, anything else to add before we go guys?
2: There's um, one little thing I guess <laughs> so anybody who, who's been keeping an eye on the socials would have seen this um, we've been promoting this on Instagram on Facebook in the New York Giants fans UK Facebook group and also on our Twitter uh and that is that the network that we do a lot of work for and that I obviously do some writing for is having a kickoff party uh at Felsons Birmingham uh it's our first sort of party um outside of London for us we we've done lots of London ones but uh we haven't really done anything outside of london as of yet now the full 10 yards guys will all be there with merch to give away and if you go to fulltenyards.co.uk slash kickoff um you can buy either a ticket for the night which includes a free drink you can buy extra drinks tokens which is a good way to make sure that obviously um you get those drinks at a discounted rate because if you have a drinks token it's going to be cheaper than buying the, the the drink on the night um, or you can actually get a bundle deal with the guide, which I will be writing the Giants piece for again. Um, so if you could pick up the guide as well and you get them as a bundle deal for cheaper than they would be separately, that would be greatly appreciated. We will be there. Myself and Dan have already uh, got our tickets. Uh, Shane is currently waiting on the outcome of where England might play an away game around that time, but we should know closer to the time. Um Both myself and Dan will have lots of big blue merch with us. So for anyone that uh, comes and meets us down there, we'll be giving away a a myriad of merch, including beanies, hats and T-shirts, stuff that aren't on sale. They're one of a kind items. So, you know, um, they may go on sale in the future, but you'll be one of the first to get one of those. So, yeah, come down, come and enjoy it. We will be open for the uh, Giants game as long as we have enough numbers in the evening, which is looking promising at the moment. So, um, yeah, hopefully see you down there and um, we can chat Giants and watch uh, watch Big Blue.
1: Yeah, buddy. Um, for that, so that it's the 10th of September, the evening of the Sunday, the 10th of September. Um, we cannot wait. It's like I said, it's our first meet-up outside of London. Um and you know, the fact all three of us are based in various places just around the outskirts of London, you know, it would be nice to sort of branch out and head up north a little bit to go see our sort of more northern viewers and listeners. Um, because, you know, we're not just necessarily we're not just based down the south, we are big blue UK and Ireland, so we are sort of spreading the wings and flying and, and moving north as such. But now I'm looking forward to uh, the night of Felsons in Birmingham. It's gonna be a great, great night and uh, looking forward to meeting the uh, the full ten yards guys um and yeah just having a having a good night watching watching Giants football at 120 in the morning and uh having a few beers lads because that's what it's all about right indeed and I think Shane you need to get your priorities right mate I
0: have to say lads I am absolutely gutted I can't make this I am absolutely oh like when it was like I just 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 so um everyone knows like just like me and the two girls me and the the missus and little one weren't we come back from a holiday that night like late that night so unfortunately i won't be able to make it up but um i'll, I'll be i'll be in the man key for the game at one o'clock but um i'm absolutely gutted i can't get up there because uh the boys at full 10 yards have been absolutely class you know really signed um and you know they're trying to build something you know like we all are here in, this, in the socials and stuff and um you know really if you can get there pop in pop in lads because it's going to be such a good crack you know instead of sitting at home messaging like we like i will be doing that night messaging on the sofa with a beer in hand saying how's everything getting on i know these boys will be sending me loads of uh loads of photos on whatsapp and stuff like that and i'll be jealous and stuff like that so yeah get yourselves down there it's going to be class
1: it's going to be a good night and who doesn't love a bit of cheeky merch right as producer craig said a myriad of merch (laughs) i love that myriad of birch now 2023 is uh shaping up to be our biggest year yet on on this podcast if you can make it to birmingham week one uh we'd love to meet as many of you as possible um have a beer with us talk giants football as we begin our 2023 campaign um and what better way to start than meeting up with, with as many of you as possible uh keep your eyes peeled for uh information being released on our socials uh and sort of in the coming weeks and months um but if you don't already follow us, why not? You can follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, and Instagram. Search for Big Blue UK and Ireland. Like Craig said, and we all know, we all said every week, we are part of that Full Ten Yards network who have kindly organised this event in Birmingham for us. Um, so we are absolutely part of that network. You can check them guys out, full10yards.co.uk. Check our page out, add in the slash giants, and that's where we are. Uh, also remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the bell. Get the latest updates and notifications for when we go live. Uh, and also, you can get in touch with us via email, bigblueukirl at gmail.com. And lastly, we are all part of the New York Giants Fans UK group, so give them a follow on Twitter and on Facebook in the, you know, at New York Giants Fans UK. <sighs> Excuse me. Last but not least, to say my thanks as ever go to Kev and to Craig for joining me and to the listeners for watching and listening for tuning in. We're signing off till next time.